Oh, hello. Yes. Hello, CGP Grey. Oh, it's funny bumping into you here. What is this? This is different. We're doing something different this time. This is the first ever Cortex special episode. Ooh, a special episode. What does that mean? It's shorter. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, I'm putting Mike on the spot there a little bit by going, what does this mean? Because we don't actually really know what this means. No. That's why this is a Cortex special. We sort of tried a thing and wanted to talk about it Mm -hmm. and feel like, does it make sense to fit in the regular show? I don't know. How long are we going to talk about it? I don't know. So we thought, let's do a Cortex special episode. Cortex, colon, in the metaverse. So we bought Quest Pros. Yeah. I want to tell you what, how this unfolded, right? So Meta had an event. Already I have a problem with this. Okay. It's Facebook. No, it's not. I'm not doing it. Here's the thing. You can say Meta, mm-hmm. right? I'm probably going to say Facebook a bunch. That's fine. But I do just think we're still at the time when you say meta, where most people are not going to translate that straight away in their head as Facebook. This is different than the, oh, it's not Google, it's Alphabet thing, right? Which was like, Alphabet tried to push that for a while and everyone was like, no, sit down, you're Google. And that's just how this is going to work. But I I do think Facebook is doing a much better job of rebranding, like mm-hmm. we are meta, Facebook is one of our products. But if you just start a sentence right now at this period in time, like not enough people are going to do that translation in their head. No, that's fair. So Meta had an event, right, where they unveiled the Quest Pro and took a look at what the future would be like for their platforms, including like a bunch of things that seemed interesting, but who knows if they'll ever actually be true. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they really focused on was their VR meetings products, Horizon Workrooms being their like thing. Because it is unbelievable how many brands they do have. I don't know why it's called Horizon. Why don't why I need to call it Meta Workrooms? Like I don't know why it needs to have its own name again, right? There's so many names. They have Meta has the Meta Quest. Yeah. The Meta Quest is also a Meta Quest Pro, which used to be called Oculus, and it's, yeah. they still use the Oculus like logo in some places, which doesn't make any sense. But now it's the Meta Quest logo. And also they have software called Horizon, which is another brand because they have Horizon Workrooms and Horizon Worlds. It's branding that I find all over the place and confusing. Even for little stuff like trying to pull up the app on my phone, I'm still searching for Oculus. Yeah. And like, oh no, it's not Oculus. Is it the meta thing? No, it's Quest. And then trying to search for Quest and you go, no, it's not Quest. It's like the meta something app. It's They need someone to come in and like straighten out language mm-hmm. and reduce the number of words. <laughs> it's almost like it's something you would do during a rebrand. Indeed. But nevertheless, so one of the things that we do with the company that we run together is at least once a month, we have a long meeting. Mm-hmm. where we go over everything that's going on with Cortex Brand. We talk about the things that we're working on. We talk about where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And we have been using FaceTime or Skype, but all audio for these. I was going to say, we've, we only use FaceTime audio. FaceTime, of course. Actual FaceTime, FaceTime. No, no, I, I have no interest in doing this. And then usually Gray's walking around with some ducks or there was a time of a swamp or something who could tell you hear ducks if i'm out walking a dog you hear yeah. me comment on like the vultures if i'm in north carolina that's that's what you're <laughs> thinking of I'm, I'm walking through the swamp and like oh there's a snake crossing my path but for times where we don't need that we're uh, in fixed positions and i thought it mm-hmm. would be super interesting to try these meetings in 
VR. Yeah. To see what that would look like. Like, mine and your meeting is like one of two meetings that are fixed on my calendar. Like, I don't really do these kinds of things a lot, so I don't have a lot of opportunities to try this stuff. Mm -hmm. And also, considering like our meetings are becoming more multimedia over time, right? Looking at images and charts and stuff. And so, the more I was sore of the clips of Horizon workrooms and things like that, I thought, hmm, this could be interesting. So, we wanted to try it out. Yeah, you pitched this to me. I think I was quite doubtful at first. Yeah. It is the fact that like our meetings are actually talking about products. Like we want to be looking at stuff. And so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like minorly intrigued. And then you you sweeten the deal. You're like, hey, we could just try this a few times and then just record an episode about how it went. And I was like, okay, now I'm in. Like there's a Cortex <laughs> special episode. Like I always want two reasons to do a thing. And uh-huh. it's like, thank you. I've gotten my second reason now. So this is how this Cortex special episode came to be. We're going to talk about what it was like trying to use the Quest Pro Meta's VR headset and their Horizons workrooms to do actual work. We're not talking about playing VR games. We're actually using it to hold real meetings about company stuff. And I suspect we may be one of a tiny, tiny number of people on the planet Earth who are actually doing this. But yeah, so let's talk about how that went. One of the ways in which I think it is conceivable that we are one of the small group of people actually doing it mm-hmm. is when we tried to do it for basically a week and it, the Horizon Workroom just was not working and I could not find anything online of anyone talking about the fact that it was not working for the best part of a week. This is like a couple of months ago. Yeah, Neither of us could join meetings the other one was setting up that was really frustrating like that was the first time we'd sat down to do it as it like and we were like all right let's do this thing and then we just could not get anything to work yeah that's that's totally the case i think you are reverse exaggerating because all told it took us more than a week to like get everything working Mm -hmm. i cannot conceive of how a normal person would have done this because i feel like oh i'm a pretty tech savvy person who already bought the first generation oculus so i'm like already familiar with how a bunch of this stuff works i have the accounts that were already set up like ready to go And now I'm just trying to upgrade to this new professional business version of a VR headset. And I've never in my life had so many just astounding technical problems getting a piece of technology to work. Mm -hmm. Even on just the most simple of levels, getting the apps to install, getting everything to work, it took absolutely forever. And then we just had weird like server problems on Meta's end where it's like, I can't recognize you as a user. I do actually think we may be one of a dozen people who have really used this to hold actual business meetings. Because I think if you're trying to get four or five people together, there's no way one of those people doesn't run into just like a normal person, technical non-starter for making it happen. This is why I also like having two reasons to do something. Because if we weren't going to record a show talking about the experience, this is also the moment this would have died. It just would have been like, forget it. It's just simply not worth it in terms of the difficulty of actually getting something set up. I would describe the 
onboarding experience as extremely not good. Yeah, not good. <laughs> so the end result of this was that we joked like, oh, we've just spent two grand not to have a meeting. <laughs> like that, that, was, that was how it felt. <laughs> yeah. And it was really frustrating uh, getting this set up. It was partly, I was so surprised because it actually was a really nice experience. The physical hardware of the Quest Pro compared to the original generation mm-hmm. Oculus slash Quest that I bought. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know how you felt, but like when I opened it up and first got my hands on it, because I, I really just didn't even have any idea what this product was going to be like. This was where I was like quite impressed. It kind of felt like in the early days of the iPhone where it's like each generation is significantly better than the previous one. Yeah. That first generation quest, like I'm thrilled that I got it, but you know, it's not the best, but this hardware felt much better. Everything about it. It was way more comfortable to wear. It's lighter. It felt nicer. I love the little charging dock. The charging dock is such a winner, such a winner. Yeah, this is one of those little things like I didn't even think I would would have wanted a charging dock. But the moment I had it, it's like, oh, great. In my office, I have it just behind me here. And it actually looks really nice on a shelf just sitting in the charging dock. Yeah. So on a hardware side, this is a headset that I'm not quite sure I would say felt like something a normal person would use. But it at least felt a lot closer to that. It doesn't just feel like it's an interesting tech demo or it's something for people who are really into tech. It's approaching a normal use tool was the way I kind of felt about the hardware. Yeah, I mean, it also feels like a professional version of the Quest, which is exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, There's something about the design. It is more sleek. It doesn't look so much like a toy. Like it has an element to it which is more professional in its design. And that comes from the packaging to the physical design of the kind of like glass front of it, Mm. right? And then also the charging dock. And, you know, like it all just feels like a more professional package, which I mean, you know, for its price, it should, right? Yeah. So I I actually think like hardware-wise, I think they did a pretty decent job with it. Mm. I wanted to ask you, because in some of the reviews that I'd seen there were pretty mixed feelings about how much light it can let in compared to other VR headsets. And I wanted to know, like they give you these kind of like rubber blinkers basically is the best way that I can describe them that are optional that you can choose to put on or not. Mm -hmm. Like for me, for our use cases of using it in meetings, I actually quite liked it because we were using a lot of the pass-through stuff as well, right? So like having just natural light from my office come in felt right for what I was using it for. But I've played some games using this Mm -hmm. and I don't feel as immersed as I have with the regular Quest, which does a way better job, I feel, of keeping the outside out. I don't know. I wonder if this is intentional so that you don't entirely lose your sense of a little bit of place the ideal fitting allows you to look straight down and kind of see where your feet are or see your hands i don't know i get the feeling that they've done that on purpose that like if they wanted this to be a totally sealed environment i think they could have designed it that way so i think this is on purpose i think so too 
and I think when they were talking about it, they were like referencing that idea that like this is much more of a mixed reality headset mm-hmm. than a VR headset, which is again they made the pass through way better. The pass through is color, so the, the you know you can use the cameras and you can see the outside world. Yeah. So what Mike's talking about there with with pass through is you have the headset on, you're looking at the virtual world. And it has this feature where if you sort of just physically double tap like anywhere on the side of the device, it's not a button. It's just recognizing that like you've hit it somewhere. It turns off the VR world and lets you look through the cameras that are on the outside of the actual headset. Mm -hmm. And it's a surprisingly useful feature. When I first heard of that, I thought like, when are you really going to use this? But you actually use it all the time. And it is nice to be able to do stuff where you don't have to physically take the headset off because it is always a bit jarring to go like back and forth between having the headset on and having it off. So it is good that they have this mode where you can look through the cameras. It's not amazing resolution. It always kind of makes me think of being like RoboCop, right? You just have like this terrible VHS vision of the world. There was a funny moment where we were having a VR call and there was a package delivered to my house. So the, the bell rang. It's like, oh, but I was able to turn on pass through and just let the person in and like talk through the intercom in the building without having to ever take the headset off. And I realized like, oh, this is actually great. This is the the whole purpose of this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, having it in color does make a really big difference versus black and white in the old systems. So I do think with each generation, we see that this is making it slimmer and smaller and sort of more a device that can fit into your life on the physical side of it. But when you when you set it up, You have to create an avatar of yourself. You sure do. How are you going to be represented in the metaverse? Now, I have a lot of feelings about this experience, but I would like to know, Mike, what did you think of this experience of creating Metaverse Mike? I was pretty happy with it, to be honest. It was a decent enough character creation system. Like, I felt like I could go in and create someone who looks enough like me. I mean, I have like enough like generic nerd energy that they had the options for me, right? They had good glasses options and beard options and clothing options. Like I could make a version of me that was easy enough. You know, I've, I've played around with like the Instagram avatar thing or whatever, right? Like they've done enough of this over time that I think they could do a decent enough job. Kind of like, you know, Memoji-ish. Yeah. They look different to the way that Apple does them, but it's similar in that, like, without too much effort, I think I was able to create someone that I felt represented me because, you know, that is what people typically do. You know, especially if you're going to be like, oh, hey, it's me. I'm going to meet with you, right? So what did you think of the character creation tools? (sighs) By far and away, this was my least enjoyed part of the entire experience. I hate everything about the character creation process in the metaverse, just with this burning passion. Okay. I just found all of it to be really unpleasant, unappealing, and ugly. There's a problem that I think kind of runs through a lot of the Horizon metaverse stuff. Like the metaverse stuff that Facebook itself is making, not stuff that third-party developers are, are making. And I don't know a better way to phrase this, but when you say like you had nerd energy, right? Mm -hmm. I think there is a certain kind of nerd aesthetic. 
You know, when you, when you have, for example, like you buy an app on the App Store and it's made by a, a single developer. And I, I buy and use and love tons of these apps. But there is a certain kind of nerd aesthetic that can like leak through all of these things where you go, ah, the person who made this is very technically competent, but it does not necessarily have a like nice design aesthetic. And the thing that I kept thinking of, like looking at the avatar stuff is I found all of it just kind of repulsive. I hate the way all of it looks. And I kept thinking like, can you guys please, please just like hire one former person who worked at Pixar to try to make this stuff look cuter? So they have been doing, they're doing a bunch of stuff here. Like one, they do have like new versions of their avatar system. This was some of the stuff that like they announced at the same time they announced the MetaQuest Pro. They announced like two things, which was like one, we're going to have like new versions of the avatars. Mm-hmm. And two, we're creating a system where we'll be able to scan your actual face. Oh, like, oh, okay, look, like, no, you're Mike, you're making it worse. <laughs> but like, it was a lot that both of these things were very like in the future, right? And I was kind of suckered into that. Like, I thought that the new versions of the Horizon avatars were going to be available like mm-hmm. now. Yeah. But they're not. But these new ones, they do have more of a Pixar like look to them i think i mean look whatever i can't judge the way the things are in the future i'm just a little bit doubtful that facebook can pull this off well because i feel like this is a recurring theme for a lot of their stuff is it just has this like unpleasant look to it Mm -hmm. you need a nice designer to come in here and like smooth off a lot of the corners like just make a uh, like a large number of small tweaks that add up to make a thing look much nicer so yeah i found like i just hate every part of this like to me on the internet nobody knows you're a dog kind of person yeah i mean i will say i think you are the wrong person right when it comes to like create an avatar that's meant to be you like you are definitely not the target market for someone who's going to ever enjoy that experience yeah i totally granted like i'm not the market of the person who like wants to build a virtual model of themselves i'm like extremely on the end of like oh i hate this because like you decided to do that, <laughs> right? And what you did in your life is to create a stick figure, right? Like you had the opportunity to make a decision about a virtual avatar that would represent you mm-hmm. in the world. And you've made that decision and you went with like, what is the simplest thing that can be done? I abstracted away the concept of a person so much. I don't even have a mouth in my representation of myself, right? Yes. I don't have eyes that look at anything, right? Like it couldn't be less yeah. of an image that looks like a person. So I was very keen to see CGP Grey in meta worlds. Mm-hmm. I was very keen. I wondered what I was going to get, you know? Mm-hmm. I will say there was no way I could have expected what I got. <laughs> Would you like to describe your meta avatar aesthetic to people uh okay so i made myself the cutest cortexin cowgirl that i possibly could i don't know how uh you found my virtual representation of myself i think it was just about as cute as i could have possibly made it which is yeah not very cute in the metaverse i think it's still kind of horrifying and ugly and i could not believe how how much work it took to make it look halfway decent. But yeah, like 
I spent maybe two seconds trying to be like, oh, I'll try to make a thing that looks like me. And then I thought like, no, I I hate this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick something that doesn't look like me because I don't know. This is a virtual world. Like, why am I now being limited by the way that I look in reality? Like, Mm -hmm. why do I have to make some decision about, oh, how fat am I on one to ten? Pick these bodies. Which one do you think is you? Oh, what does your face look like? I just I hate every single part of it. I will say I did have that part with the body where I was like, had to make a decision. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, I don't want to make this decision. Like, why are you making me make this decision? Here's the thing. I know that I am not the market for this. But I think there's something that you like, as a user, if you're, again, you're not like in nerd world, you're just giving this to a regular person. Something you need to understand, listeners, is that they have 10 body types. The body types only vary basically in how fat they are. And the body types are also unisex. You know, I didn't know that. So you just picked you and you're like, oh, I'll just pick one of these bodies. And I was like... I don't want to be me. I'm going to be a cowgirl, right? So I'm like, where do I flip the switch for a female body? And then I realized, oh, there is no switch. The 10 bodies are just the ones that you pick from. And so it's part of the reason why it's like, oh, to make my avatar look feminine, I have to pick all of these like really screamingly feminine accessories, right? There has to be earrings. There has to be heart-shaped glasses. I have to put lipstick on. I have to put makeup on. I had to make my hair pink and in braids because otherwise the body doesn't read remotely as a female body because there's only 10 generically shaped bodies on a scale of fat to thin. And like, that's it. And I like, I can understand why Facebook is doing this, but it's so strange to me because it's like, Guys, video games have had this solved for like 30 years where if you're doing character creation, one of the first things is often they're like, hey, do you want a male body, a female body or a neutral body? And then you pick one of those three. But like a lot of games now, they just label it differently, Mm -hmm. right? Like just like body type one, body type two. And then that's your starting block for where you want to move from. And like the way that I've now realized that they've done it I think it might be worse. Yeah, it's it's way worse. Like, I applaud having this as an option, right? That, like, there is one body type, whatever, but they're not allowing people to customize it when it is supposed to be a representation of you. Yeah. That's very strange yeah. to me. I've got to say, that's very strange. Just to continue, like, what I think video games have done so well is, again, like... They give you that template and here's sliders. So you can choose things like how far apart are the shoulders? You have some like bust slider, right? Which you could decide like, how does this go? Waist, hips, like you can do things to make your body look the way you want it to in the game. Or if you're trying to represent yourself, like make it look the way you look. But it was just so weird and strange to realize all of a sudden like, oh, The 10 bodies they let you choose from that only vary on scale of fatness have to represent everybody. There's no option to like masculinize or feminize or neutralize this body. It's just this one way. 
I think is going to be incredibly off-putting to huge numbers of people when they when they try it. I actually had my wife, like I didn't tell her anything about it. I was just like, hey, why don't you build an avatar in here? And like her very first questions were about like making the body actually look like her body. And she was appalled when she realized that she couldn't. She's like, oh, I have to look like this? I hate it. And I never want to use it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's an amazing reaction. Now for me personally, I just kind of don't, want to think about the way that I physically look. And so I'd rather just have an avatar that was like abstracted. And so this is also another place where the reason I made just like, oh, this cute Cortex and Cowgirl is because I was also surprised that they didn't have any non-human options or just like generic presence options. Mm. My only frame of reference with this is just like Apple's Memoji, which... I went to go see like, oh, how do they set that up when like Apple makes this little cartoon representation of yourself? And they play a little video that just shows like, oh, here's all the options that you can be. And it, it plays like, oh, here's three people. And then it shows like, oh, someone makes themselves like, oh, it's a person, but they have purple skin. So you can do whatever you want. And then the next one is like, or you can just be a shark. Like, it's fine. You can do whatever you want to do. And so I find it anti the spirit of the internet that you're constrained to your human physicality in this really weird way in the avatar creation process i was just absolutely blown away that they didn't have like non-human but still like you know business professional options that you could pick i couldn't believe it and then when i tried to Mm. do like i want something that looks nothing like me i'm going to be this cortex and cowgirl i was appalled again in the limits of like making it look the way that i wanted to i thought it was just so awful and i think people are really going to be put off on that again for me i i like being me Mm -hmm. i prefer that whenever i'm using these things if i look at myself it's me if it's showing a character i recognize that it's me Mm -hmm. i mean you know maybe i'm aided in the fact that it was easy to make me (laughs) and that it also doesn't bother me in general to have that where like i think that me and you are coming from different worlds when it comes to identity online right oh totally yeah Anyway, so that ended up taking up like an entire afternoon of my life was just trying to make something that looked okay so that we could have a meeting. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Hello. Have you ever tried a buckwheat pillow? They're incredibly different from the fluffy soft pillows that most people are used to. A buckwheat pillow supports your head and your neck exactly how you want it to, unlike traditional squishy soft pillows which collapse under the weight of your head and do not give you the support that you are looking for while you sleep. Soft pillows allow your neck to fall in a downward bend, adding uncomfortable pressure to muscles, nerves, and discs over time. This is not what you get with a hollow pillow. You get the exact support you're looking for. I am so happy that Hollow is back sponsoring Cortex because I get to tell you about a product that I absolutely adore. I sleep every single night on a hollow pillow and it gives me so much comfort. I used to sleep with multiple pillows stacked on top of each other before so I could get the support that I wanted. But for many years now, I think three or four years, I have slept every night on one hollow pillow and I get the exact support that I'm looking for. But that's not all. 
Hollow pillows stay cool and dry. Most pillows absorb and retain body heat and moisture, so your pillow feels warm and humid, kind of gross. Buckwheat breathes better, so you no longer need to flip your pillow to the cool side because it just stays cool. If you, like me, were using multiple pillows or folding your pillow in some way to attempt to get that proper support you were looking for, that is a sign that your pillow isn't firm or thick enough. Hollow's support allows you to keep your head and neck where you want them, and you can go with that one step further by adding or removing the filling from the zippered opening to make sure that you get it exactly to your liking and you'll get it just right. You can also remove the filling completely and wash the case as well if you want to do that. People have been sleeping on buckwheat pillows for centuries. They have been used in Japan extensively and remain relatively popular to this day. You might also see them on the pillow menu at some luxurious hotels. But bring that luxury to your own bed every night. Hollow is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the United States. People like me really love this pillow. You can go to their website and check out the reviews written by customers. Cortex listeners can sleep on a hollow pillow for 60 nights. And if it isn't right for you, just ship it back and they'll give you a full refund. Just go to hollowpillow.com slash cortex. And if you try more than one pillow, you can get a discount of up to $20 per pillow depending on the size. You can get fast free shipping on every order and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Why not give the gift of better sleep as well, which you know you're going to want to do once you're hooked on your own hollow pillow. Hollow is a unique gift for friends and family, and they're going to appreciate it every night. So go to hollowpillow.com slash cortex. That's H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W.com slash cortex, and you can try it out for 60 days. So thanks to Hollow for their support of this show and Relay FM. Moving past the avatar creation. Let's talk about the actual meetings. When I finally did show up in the meeting, poor Mike, not knowing what's going to happen. Gray having spent like the most frustrating afternoon of his life trying to create something and then popping into existence. Hi, it's time for serious haha business time. But I also have on these heart-shaped eyeglasses. It couldn't have been more surprising for me, really. Like, <laughs> I actually don't know if there is a way in which I could have been more surprised. Mm. But what I will say is like, we had, you know, we'll talk about the meeting in detail, but like, over the time and now we've had a few of these it's not weird to me anymore and i think that is maybe my biggest takeaway from this experience so we've spent all told maybe four or five hours in horizon workroom meetings at this point Mm. and i have found it to be a very normal feeling experience for having the meetings and i have memories of these meetings like a decision we made i remember being in the meeting room that we sat and talking about it with you right like i remember that like i would remember if we were actually in a room like overall my experience of having these meetings in horizon workrooms has been very positive I feel really bad because I just realized it never occurred to me until this moment, really, that you're having these meetings with Cowgirl Cortex. Mm-hmm. And I think I just never really thought about that from your perspective. It's like we are having these like serious conversations. But I, I do think this totally speaks for 
this magic power of VR mm -hmm. that your brain just accepts it as real, which is why I would continue to push for, oh, you know, you should be able to just be an octopus in this meeting. I just think that's going to be really difficult for them to try and pitch as like a business <laughs> tool, though. Like, I don't think like management consultancy company ABC is going to really want their employees <laughs> to be showing up as like Cthulhu to the next meeting or whatever, you know? Look, I think they can limit it. And I also still think like Apple does a very good job of it with the Memojis of even their non-human ones fit into a design aesthetic that kind of matches the human ones. Like, look, we can talk about it later if Apple ever gets into this market. But like, I'm going to be very curious about what Apple does with regards to this, uh, mm. if this ever happens. But I don't think you're going to be happy with the rumors, but we'll see. I'm sure I won't be. But if you have not tried VR... This, to me, is the most difficult to explain part of it that is like is the most interesting insight into something about your brain, that your brain is built to accept the visual world as real, no matter how strange it may look. Now, there are some asterisks on that for like, you can do this better and you can do this worse. Mm -hmm. But it is still basically true. And I also have that same experience of I have a lot of things to complain about this system but there's something here there's something here that is interesting and that is different and that your brain does treat it as real yep okay so let me give like the most concrete example that I can think of one of the problems I find with doing a FaceTime call with people is it's very hard to do pauses naturally. So when you're doing a FaceTime conversation where you're looking at a person, I find people tend to just alternate kind of monologuing or like you you talk in longer unbroken stretches than you would in real life. You interrupt each other less. And it's awkward to do the thing where you both just sort of pause or you like look around as you would do in real life. Mm. I'm not entirely sure why that happens, but one of the things that a virtual meeting, I found that we both kind of did it immediately, is it does let you more naturally pause in conversation. I felt like we were both more able to do the like interrupt the other person at the right moment kind of thing yeah. because we could see physically like... When I move my hands at home in my office, the Oculus is showing you how my hands are moving with like that animation. You can see which way I'm looking. I can see which way you're looking. It's funny things like, oh, I can see that your arms are crossed now. Like I can see that you have coffee in your hands. Like I can see everything that you're doing. And I think that having the full view of the upper body is kind of better than FaceTime because in FaceTime, you're often just like, looking at a cropped in version of that person's face. And there's also the effect that when the person on FaceTime isn't looking at you, you can see that they're looking away. You don't know what they're looking at. Yeah. But in the workrooms, if I look away or you look away, I can see that you're looking away because you're looking for a number on the presentation board that's next to us. And you can see I'm looking away because there's a virtual train moving by on the virtual window. 
it just makes conversation easier. You know that you're both in this virtual room. You have this shared sense of space. And where people are looking and when people pause and how their body is physically posed when they pause is a big deal for making conversations more natural. And I think compared to like a FaceTime call or a Zoom call, not having that little preview of yourself is nice too. Yeah, you know what? I didn't think about that, but you're right. Yeah. I know I spend way too much time looking at the preview. I don't know what it is that makes me do it. I've heard this is a thing that a lot of people do and it can it has like an exhausting feeling to it. There's almost like it turns it from a call into a performance because you can see and evaluate how you look at any given time. Yeah. And having that no longer a concern is also quite nice. And also the idea that like, I mean, I don't have to be presentable in any way mm -hmm. either because you're going to see the manicured version of the digital me. Yeah, I was going to say, your virtual beard is always very nicely groomed. It's better than I could ever wish for, to be honest. It's a it's very full, very good-looking beard. That one. <laughs> one of the biggest things to me, the, this is something that I keep coming back to in my brain of mm -hmm. like this idea. So like, you know, we are in this room, right? And you can customize the room and kind of make it feel like your own a little bit and you have a few you can choose from. And the way that it would typically work is I am at a desk and you're at a desk and we're across from each other. So we're looking at each other around a big desk table thing. And there is like a, a digital board on the wall, which can be either a whiteboard that you can stand at and draw on or you can draw on your table in front of you and it appears on the whiteboard. And you can also project a computer screen like so your mac you can connect your mac using some software and you can then project your computer screen on the wall it's, it's really clever right like it's mm -hmm. just like the way you would do it in an actual conference room and there was just this one moment where i was talking to you about some sales numbers and i pointed with my arm and you looked mm -hmm. that has stuck with me that moment because in that moment, I was 100% in that room with you. Mm. Like, that was a real feeling, which didn't make any sense for me to do that. It didn't make sense for me to point, because I was telling you the number anyway, but I pointed at it. And you, naturally, looked where I was pointing. Mm. And you could see what I was pointing at, because I was physically, to you pointing at something and you could draw a line with your eyes from where my finger was to the board mm -hmm. and there was just something about that moment where it was like we're not together right now we're not in the same place you could have been anywhere i could have been anywhere but because of these headsets because of this technology we could have an in-person meeting which for all intents and purposes with some weirdness just felt like we were in a room together i'm realizing that as we talk, this is one of those episodes. It has the danger of sounding like we're talking about a dream. Yes. Like it reminds me yep. of how many years ago was it now? Oh, that I don't even remember. It was great. We got invited to Facebook to try the VR headsets, which were like still in development then. I think the episode was called like Tripping on Acid or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. So for any listeners, like I do apologize because I just think this is uniquely difficult to describe. And part of it is what you were saying, Mike, that it's not like playing a video game or doing a FaceTime call. Your brain really does encode this as 
memories of a physical place, but it's a physical place that is like a strange dream world. Yes. But that your brain also just takes 100% seriously. Yep. And so it makes relating things quite difficult. Just as a minor example, I had a, a like a funny moment of just how seriously your brain takes something is you you were explaining something to me and I leaned back in my chair in my office. But in our virtual meeting room, there was a chair that was angled in front of me a little bit. And I went to put up my legs on the virtual chair, which did not exist no. in my physical office and like fell out of my chair. Right. But it yeah. goes to show you how deadly seriously your brain takes it. That like yes. I wasn't tentative about putting my legs up on this chair. I moved my legs and my weight 100% as though there was something there that would have caught me, and it didn't because it wasn't there. That's how real it feels. Like, it feels real in ways that you don't even notice. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I do also find is, like, a little creepy in the onboarding process that I I didn't know about because I basically knew nothing about these headsets until you sent one to my house was... It's like it needs to record your eyes, what your eyes are looking at, and you need to give it permission to record your face, which is just like a little bit of an unnerving dialogue box to click yes on of like, if you're going to use this meeting room, you have to let it look at your eyes and you have to let it look at your face. And I don't like that at all. But in talking to you in this virtual room, if I couldn't see where you were looking and you weren't making facial expressions in this like avatar representation of yourself, it would 100% change the experience to be just like barely useful. I think this is the key part of what makes the Quest Pro better is that it has these sensors in it. That if we would have done these meetings with regular Quests, I don't think it would have been the same experience. I don't think it would have been as good. Like, realistically for me this is so much more immersive than a zoom call my sense of being with you my sense of feeling like this thing i was talking to was you was Mm -hmm. better than me actually seeing you which is Mm -hmm. very strange and it doesn't seem like that could be possible how could me seeing cowgirl gray be better than a Zoom call. Right, with actual me. <laughs> yeah, and I can't explain to you why this felt better, but it did. And and I think it, it was just the simple idea of like, I feel like we're together in this place. We have the same surroundings mm-hmm. in so much that I get enough from you, from your voice and from your facial expressions, but then also that it is locked off to we are sharing an experience. Like this experience yeah. is 100% shared everything that I can see, you can see, it makes a big difference. And I also prefer it to a Zoom in that you can't get distracted. I can't get distracted. Yeah. The sense of presence is different. You can see that if I'm looking down at my computer. So you know if I'm not paying attention to you when I'm talking to you. Which is not the same as when you're doing a video call or a voice call. There is no real sense of what someone's doing in that moment. You can guess if someone's paying attention to you, but you don't know. But in these rooms... It's a room. It's like we're in a room. Yeah. It's so simple, but it makes a difference. Here's one of my many asterisks comes in. I am afraid for remote workers, the totalitarian nightmare that this headset represents. Oh, yeah. Mm. Because you have to grant it permission to track what are you looking at in this virtual environment. Mm. I even think it's kind of horrifying that, like, well, it knows if you're smiling or if you're frowning. 
And so like, ah, that's data that's being collected about you. What this makes me think of a little bit is the world of truckers is kind of like the vanguard of this real monitoring of how employees are during the workday. So like Mm -hmm. lots of truckers have to consent to systems that watch their eyes to see if they're sleepy and like are constantly being fed back into this big data system of like exactly how is this trucker operating right now for us i would like to keep doing our cortex calls in vr which i'm kind of yeah like there's many more disadvantages that we can talk about and i'm kind of shocked to hear myself say that Mm. but even after we've finished what for me was like oh the reason we can do this is that we can talk about it on a show i would actually prefer to do our next brand call in vr me too We both know that we're being forced to not be distracted and to like put all of your brain power into this conversation that we're having right now. It's literally erased the outside world. It doesn't exist. And you're just in this environment to discuss like decisions about the Cortex business and what are we going to do? And for you and me, self-employed people who've started a company together, who want it to do well, that's great. But I just think about like some of my previous jobs And if I were forced to be in a BS meeting where I can do nothing but pay 100% attention to the total ridiculous nonsense that doesn't affect me or like terrible decisions that are happening up front or just like information that's irrelevant and my eyes are being tracked and if I frown, it's being tracked. Like Mm. what an unbearable nightmare that is. If I had a job where... I was given the choice by my boss to commute into work and to be in the office in person, or I could work remotely and get all that time back. But while I was working remotely, I'd have to wear the headset. I also can't believe that I'm saying this out loud, but like I would choose the commute. I totally would. It would just be like yeah, work, but way too intense. And like this nightmare version of what bosses think work should be. Like you're paying 100% attention 100% of the time to everything that's happening, which is just like an unreasonable expectation in all jobs. I mean, I would too, because like, again, it's like, this is why I think one of the things is wild that I want to keep doing this. Every time that we finish one of these meetings, I get horrible headaches. The way I describe it is it feels like my brain has turned to liquid, like when we're done with these things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is that's doing this. Like I wear glasses and I wear my glasses in the headset. So I'm not sure if it's like a eyesight thing or it's an eyesight thing with a resolution thing or if it is the headset on my head. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm usually like, I'll have these meetings and I am like out of it for a few hours afterwards because I don't feel great when I'm done. Yeah. In a way that I've not felt playing VR games. So, like, I'm not really sure what it is that's causing it. I've been extremely drained after these. And I agree. It is very noticeable that it is not the same experience as VR gaming. So it's not Mm -hmm. something about the actual experience of VR or the headset. It's like, man, I can shoot a bunch of zombies with my bow and arrow for, like, hours and and come out of it. And it's like, boy, am I pumped. That was great. I really do think it's a byproduct of the intensity that it forces you to have in paying attention. Mm. So I think that's part of it. 
I do think also the biggest hindrance to this actually being able to be used as a real work tool is that the resolution is not good enough for text. That might be what's giving you actual headaches. And that's where, like, I tried doing the thing where I load my computer into the headset to work. So you can work at like a virtual office and then load up your computer. And so like, oh, cool. I can have as big of a monitor as I want and I can put Obsidian on it. I can have all the text for my scripts. And I loaded it up and I looked at it. And in two seconds, I was like, nope, this is never going to work because the text is just not crisp enough. And I think this is literally true that for text, it's the worst computer display I have ever seen including when I was in college and worked on some of these like ancient CRT monitors that had like worse than VHS resolution output. Yeah, because the text you were seeing on those was made for those. The text that's, that we're trying to read from our computer screens, like, and I'm not excusing it here, but yeah. like these screens do not have the resolution required to make that look right. good. Like they just don't. But there's an additional problem, which is that bad resolution text on a bad monitor in the real world is still a flat object that you're looking at with your two eyes. Whereas in VR, the headset is generating two slightly different images to give you the illusion of 3D. And for absolutely everything, if those two images aren't like perfectly created or your headset isn't perfectly sitting, it's going to be like ever so slightly out of focus, but you won't even notice, mm. which is why I think like for any of the gaming stuff, this never even comes up. Like, I never think about it. Right. But the text is intrinsically blurrier because if the 3D effect isn't absolutely perfect, which I just think they can't do right now, it just looks bad. And I think your brain is trying to focus on it all the time. This might be the difference between me and you, where, like, because I'm running the meeting... Mm -hmm. And I have all the notes. Like I'm looking at a computer inside of the Horizon workroom for most of it. I'm doing a lot more reading to like pull up this and I'm looking through these charts and looking at this and like here's my next item on the list. So maybe that's causing me some focus issues, which is straining my eyes. And I think you're also having to do the thing of switching more, which is that mm. you're going more from looking at text to looking at me to looking outside to looking at text. Whereas yeah. for me, I'm looking at you I can see that you have this little computer in front of you, but I can't see what's on there. I just see what you're choosing to project on the virtual wall, which is also much bigger than the display that you are looking at, which helps with the text yep. size. Which yep. is also why if you ever play a VR game, you'll notice that the text is enormous, right? If they ever need to show you something written, like the game tries to make it as big as it possibly can because it just looks better that way. But actual work documents don't get to have you know, size 72 font letters because like mm -hmm. a meeting agenda just needs to be smaller than that. So I think this is the biggest impediment to it actually being a useful work tool is the resolution is just bad for text. The resolution is great for a virtual environment. Like your brain doesn't care, but I think they are miles away from text that looks like text on a retina computer screen. And I, th I think they're going to need to be at some kind of much higher than we would expect resolution in both eyes to make that yep. work. So even if people talk about like, ooh, it's going to be a 4K display in both eyes, it's like, I'm sure that will look great, but I also think that probably won't improve text as much as you actually need it to because of the stereoscopic effect and the need for it to be just like 
perfectly focused in order to work. Mm. But that's also why I kind of can imagine this as just like an absolute nightmare for a remote worker to be like, oh, work on your documents in VR so we can keep track of exactly what you're doing at all times down to the level of are you actually looking at the document that you're supposed to be working on or are you paying attention to some other notes on your screen? I would suggest that if anybody listening, if their employer ever suggests to them about using a VR headset, bring up very fast that you have VR motion sickness. Just be like, oh, <laughs> oh, I have tried Ooh, Beat Saber and I, like, I threw up all over my room immediately. Like, I genuinely think this needs to be a like, hey, workers of the world, you should probably unite on this front of like, you all have VR motion sickness. Like, I just think that might be quite good to do. I do want to mention hand tracking. They got to do better. There's a lot of things where they would prefer you to use your hands and sometimes it works okay. But most of the time, it does not work very well. Like when you're using hand tracking, they have this like gesture they want you to perform so you can bring up a menu where you pinch your fingers together to bring up a menu. It works maybe 25% of the time. Yeah. Hand tracking really needs to come a long way to be doing this stuff, these meetings. I don't particularly want to be using a controller. Yeah, the controller is a bit awkward. And if we're doing things like where I talk about, like my my transcending moment was a point, right? Mm -hmm. And it did a good job of getting that, but it doesn't all the time. Sometimes we're talking and your arm disappears behind the back of your head for no reason all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. It is nowhere near as good at doing, I think, a representative job as hand tracking as it is like facial expression tracking, which feels very good. Like, I never see your face do something bananas, right? Like, your eyes don't fly out of the back of your head at any point or anything, you know? Yeah, the hands can be all over the place. And I think I I really don't help that because using this kind of thing will make you quite self-conscious of how you are in meetings. And I think I never quite realized how often I put my hands on the top of my head when I'm listening. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, there's no cameras up there. So the headset is like, where does hands go? I I have no idea. Uh, Make him fold his arms in front of him. And like I can see that sometimes. It's like my VR arms just did something different because... I put my actual hands on the top of my head while I'm listening to you talk, but the headset has lost track of them. And mm-hmm. it's not great. Again, for any any kind of my hands are in front of me and I'm gesturing, like I feel like it does fairly well nail that. But the moment you start going to the edges or especially above, the the hands can be all over the place. Well, I do think it lacks in precision, though. Yeah, this is also where I think there's some kinds of things that are just a little bit embarrassing and... The gesture where you touch your index finger to your thumb to try to bring up a menu, that seems like such a simple gesture. And the number of times it fails to register is like, oof, that is real bad. It's like the one thing you're telling me to do. So you really should have this one taken care of, you know? Yeah, it's literally the only gesture mm-hmm. is it's like touch my finger to my thumb. And what's very strange about it is like I can see that my virtual hand has done yes. it. Like you know my index finger is touching my thumb. Where's the but menu? But you don't bring up the little menu. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. It's like there's two systems that aren't talking to each other or is trying to use some different kind of recognition yeah. to bring up the menu. I don't know. It's odd. Well, sometimes it feels like, like you know, when you're like pointing at something and pinching, it feels like there's like a weird lag to it sometimes where like I'm doing it and my hand will come and join me in a second. It's very strange. Like the, the hand tracking does feel incredibly complicated to do. So mm-hmm. like I'm not surprised that it is something that 
requires more work over time. Yeah. But it is something that it's one of the only things that I'm doing that's pulling me out of the experience while I'm in it. Yeah. And I do think they, they have the disadvantage of being caught in the middle of some things you need to use controllers for, some things you need to use your hands for, which then also means the system has to guess very fast which one of these two input methods are you using. Yep. And so there can be this lag of, oh, I've picked up the controller, but it hasn't recognized it for a second. Or the reverse of that, of I've put the controller down on my desk and now I've lifted my hand up and my virtual hand just stays on the desk for a few moments until it realizes, oh, no, he's, he's let go of that. Mm-hmm. I think that is really hard, like the ideal for what they want. Again, if you want like normal people in meetings to just use this, it has to be a controller-free experience. Like these controllers just have to go, but it isn't there yet to be able to actually just use it entirely without controllers. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Setup. Of all the tools available to us these days, looking for something new to improve the way we work can feel like drowning in an ocean of different apps and services. There are just so many available on the market right now, and not all of them are worth your time and money. And what's more, so many of us are paying for apps and services that have never properly integrated into our workflows. So how do you know which are worth trying without emptying your wallet and subscriptions that you're probably going to forget to cancel in the future? The answer is Setup. Setup is a platform that combines more than 230 powerful macOS and iOS apps and tools under one $9.99 subscription. Their selection of apps is super helpful for people who use their Macs for work, covering complete use cases like coding, designing, project and time management, and more. Once you're subscribed, you'll get full access to the paid features of these apps, as well as the new apps that are constantly being added to the service. So you'll always be sure to make sure that you're not missing out on anything that can actually help you do your work more efficiently all for just a fraction of the price. Setup is a smart way to get apps for people who create value with the help of their Apple devices. It takes away the pain of looking up, comparing, buying, and managing separate apps, and they partner with some of the world's best developers to handpick the most trustworthy and advanced paid apps for Setup. When I need a new app to solve a problem that I'm working on, Setup is where I go because they have so many things that I enjoy. Like one of my favorite Mac apps of all time, Bartender, which helps you organize and categorize the menu bar icons that appear in the menu bar on your Mac. This is like a must-have app for every Mac user. It's in Setup. Or about apps like Craft, which we spoke about a bunch of times on the show. It's in Setup. I've recently found one called Hand Mirror, which just quickly lets you turn on your webcam in a little window to just see how you look before you go on that Zoom call. There are tons of tiny and huge and everything in between utilities and apps on Setup, and you are going to love it. Just trust me on this one. Setup makes sure to remove outdated tools to keep the collection up to date with the best software around. If you've got a complex task to solve, you can delve into their app collections. And for peace of mind, every app is updated automatically with no annoying ads that distract you, and you can install and uninstall apps with a single click. Check out Setup today by trying it out for seven days for free. Go to stpp.co slash cortex. That is stpp.co slash cortex to try it completely free for seven days. That link is also in the show notes. Setup powers you up. Our thanks to Setup for the support of this show and Relay FM. As you know, Gray, I'm abreast of the rumors, right? Yeah. I'm all over it. Apple rumors. You are literally my only source for Apple rumors. So as as far as I'm concerned, you are where all the rumors come from. So as we are recording this, Apple have announced nothing. 
and we're expecting mm-hmm. something later on this year from them. So I hear from you. So you hear from me, and you're about to hear from me. <laughs> you know, we're maybe at this point a few months away from an unveiling, maybe nine months away from a shipping product. The things that we are talking about that we want to see improved are, as of this moment, the things that it seems Apple are most focusing on. So one of them is avatar creation. So the rumors are suggesting in a one-on-one, they're going to do this like really high-quality avatar, which is going to be very intensive. And seems like probably, unfortunately for you, they're going to try and make something as realistic as possible. What do you mean by intensive? What is that? What do you mean by that? Processor intensive. Oh, okay. So just like high resolution? Very high resolution because in any meeting environment where it's more than two people, it's going to revert to Memoji. Uh, I'm, su- I'm surprised the rumor is that they're doing something more than Memoji because... Uh, I was surprised about that too, is that you have the perfect system. Why would you do something else? But I think yeah. they are... Apple are going high-end with this product, right? The rumors are it's probably going to be like $3,000 and Apple's going to make no profit on that, right? Like they are going heavy now to build the platform for when it can be cheaper later. But they're going to go heavy, high power, high performance with the first instance. I don't Mm -hmm. know why they're attempting to go that route. My hope is that they will show us things that are so mind-blowing and that's the reason that they've got to go expensive, right? And so the, the expectation is these will have basically Mac chips in them. Mm-hmm. And so in doing that, they want to create this very realistic feeling experience as a way to wow people. I think for me, what I'm looking for from the headset, I want them to be able to produce an event which provides similar shock and awe to the original iPhone. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, of course that's what you'd want. <laughs> but I did not feel like this with the Apple Watch. Right, right. Yeah. But I think if they want to really make this seem like it's going to be a big deal, they need to be able to shock us. I don't believe they will get to that level, but if they're able to do things like automatically create a realistic avatar for you that looks like you in the it's like you know like wow you know like that's the kind of thing i think they're going for here with that kind of stuff so yeah. they're going for maybe more realism yeah right? and to be fair if there was an automatic avatar creation process i would probably be significantly less resistant to that good point it's a little bit of like i hate that i have to pick which nose is mine right it's yeah like, i don't like that like oh it's awful i hate it <laughs> And I actually think one of the things about Memoji is like the cartooniness of it actually made it easier. Like that yeah. experience is nicer in that way because it isn't so like I'm trying to make me. Yeah, it can't possibly be you. It's the cartoon version of you. Again, like I just think yeah. of Pixar. It's like if, if yeah. it was a Pixar created version of you, no one expects it to really look like you. It's supposed to capture the idea of you. They're apparently, you know, we're talking about the resolution. So they're going all in on screens. 8K screens in each eye is one of the rumors. Yeah. That's going to be very expensive. And then apparently they have no controller. It's all hand tracking. I think that's what it's got to be. So here's what I'll say. I think for certain use cases, I agree with you, right? Like that is what it's got to be. Like for work, for the things that we're talking about here, me and you sitting down in a meeting environment, what I want is the very best hand tracking that money can provide, mm-hmm. right? That that would be great. 
but not for games, though. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like, th- this whole conversation hasn't been games, very, like, explicitly from the top. But, like, if we're talking about me and you here sitting down and having a meeting, then yes, right? Like, I want great hand tracking. I want great comfort, which apparently they're going for. One of the things that they've done, which on the face of it sounds not great, was apparently the battery is not in the headset. There is a cable from the headset to a battery pack that you put in your pocket or something. I don't think that's the worst idea, though. I mean, when I heard it, I was like, well, my expectation is all of the reasons they've done this are things that I want, which is I want it to feel more comfortable in my head and last longer. That's something we didn't talk about with the Quest Pro. The battery life is terrible. It's so bad. It's like two hours or something. Like, it's, you know, which is not great. You know, like you're using this thing for any kind of intensive thing and the battery started to go. I would I would not want to be in a meeting in the Quest Pro for one minute more than two hours. But yeah, it, it's got to last It's longer. still not great. It's not great because, again, I think in Meta's ideal world, people would be doing several meetings a day in this. And it's like, it's, yep. it can't, the battery can't, can't hold up to that. It can't charge fast enough. So like, it's great that I have this fancy charging dock, but oh boy, do I need it, right? Because it's yeah. in there all the time, this thing. So there were some potential rumors, which I would like, is that the battery, you could then swap out for another battery. Mm. Or you could just like plug in a new battery. So you could have a couple going if you wanted to have a really long session. Mm. So, I mean, I'm choosing to stay like positive about this. And I will say one of the things that has changed my mind about Apple's headset is my experiences with the MetaQuest Pro with you. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, yeah, I could use this as a work tool. I could do this. You know, like I think about recording podcasts in VR. Like, what could that be like? Yeah. Would that feel better in a way? We don't have to do video, but we could actually feel like we're in the same place. Would it help with you knowing when I've got something to say? That kind of thing. Like, that could be really interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that with video podcasts because to pull back the curtain, there's a thing if you are recording a podcast and like we are, you're willing to put in a bunch of actual editing effort to make it happen that we both do where you sometimes talk over each other, but we've both learned to finish our own sentences (laughs) as we're simultaneously talking over the other person because we know like you can fix that in editing and just pull the two sentences apart. Or the best sentence wins. Yeah, but that is a byproduct of not having the visual cue of when the person is going to talk. And I just don't think that FaceTime is actually, like for all the reasons we discussed before, I think if we recorded a podcast using FaceTime, it's more of a hindrance than a help. Yeah, But it is conceivable that a VR podcast could help there. And even, again, if you're being professionals about recording something... You could just have a little hand signal. It's like, oh, when I put my finger up, like I have something that I want to say, but I don't want to interrupt you. Like you can have that kind of stuff in real life that could make an editing effort easier that I hadn't really thought about. But I didn't realize like, so you were, you were just like not positive on VR as a, as like a future product really until you tried this. Like what's your position that's changed since using the Oculus? Or the, the meta or whatever, the quest. Very into it for gaming, right? Like I think great gaming experiences. And I would actually say great gaming experiences more than great games. I have yet to encounter personally a VR game that felt like a full video game. 
mm-hmm. you know, and like I've played a bunch of things that have purported to be that kind of thing, but it still feels like there is a novelness to it that I don't experience in other regular console games. But I do believe that's coming as we move further and further down the line. PlayStation just released their PSVR 2. I believe we will see more and more full video games in VR, but I've yet to really have that kind of experience. Yeah. Where this meeting has had actual real benefit Mm. to it over what I was doing otherwise. Where for me, the video gaming aspect of my quest experiences like this is a nice way to play this game but it's not necessarily better than any other game that i would play on any other console it's different and i enjoy the feeling in the world but also sometimes there are some games where like i could play them on a console and enjoy them but too intense for me in Mm -hmm. vr right so like it can detract as well as enhance an experience but like I'm not like in the meeting. I'm not getting scared of you. You know what I mean? Like it's only adding for me to that experience. I mean, that's not technically true because we we did discover that you can teleport into different seats and surprised each other a couple of times. But you know that that's true. that ends very. But it's fast. not so intense as like a dragon chasing me. You know, like and I, and I, I did I did keep that. getting you didn't get them, but I whenever I loaded into the VR space, it gave me this warning of like, hey, you better respect people's personal space in here, which I found very like very funny as a warning. But I can also get it that in in VR, like if you get right up in someone's face like it does feel like someone's right up in your face it can be a little disconcerting but for me the experiences that we've had of like oh i could actually understand using this in my professional life which then mm. it becomes more than novelty like the novelty can still be there but i can also use this professionally and then if i can use it professionally maybe one day it could be used for more like talking with friends kinds of experiences rather than just being like a professional thing. Mm. Because what I was concerned about for Apple is all of the rumors suggesting the price. $3,000, right, is this expected price, this number that keeps getting thrown around. And it's like, well, that's too much money, right? Like you are not going to sell enough of these. Mm -hmm. It's too expensive. It's more expensive than the max. Most of the max, like it's very, very high. But if they're doing this because they can offer an experience, which in all of the professional realms here that we're talking about is better than what Meta can do, then maybe it's a decent place to start. Yeah, I've thought many times while we're having those meetings that it's useful for us. But if let's say we worked in computer graphics or anything that had uh, CAD, like architecture software, Mm -hmm. you know, you've seen videos, right? Or or like movies where people are discussing like a physical object in a virtual space. Like we've all seen this in movies, but having done the actual meeting, it was like, oh my God, if I was an architect, 100% this would be incredibly useful. If we can like bring physical objects into this space, it's like, if I'm designing a video game and I'm like having meetings with developers around the world and we need to talk about like models for characters, it was immediate. Like this is a no brainer. We should do it in this environment. I mean, who knows what Apple's going to do with their initial product, but I could see that they have something that's very high end, but they're also trying to target a particular market. And I mean, I've, I've always thought Apple does seem to be going after the entertainment industry in interesting ways with some of their production stuff behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, mm-hmm. I, could, I could see this fitting in very well for like people who are having meetings about special effects in movies. Like I could see that. Like, I think ultimately the place that they're going to start is this is for some high-end customers, customers that are going to pay this money, right? It's going to be for professional customers who are going to want this for the enhanced FaceTime experience that they'll get out of this. And it's for developers who are going to start crafting the apps and experiences that will then be ready for when in three years' time we have a $1,000 version of this product. Right. And then we're ready. My co-host and upgrade Jason Snell keeps talking about this, and I hope that he's right, that when they announce this product, they talk openly about this is the beginning of a line of products mm-hmm. that we will produce. So they contextualize that like the Apple headset is not always going to be a $3,000 product every single year. Mm-hmm. Right? That it is a start, but they've chosen to start in this place because they want to show what they believe they'll be able to offer to everyone for a third of the price in an amount of time from the future, but they have to start somewhere. Mm. And I do believe they just need to get going with this because if they believe this is important to them, Meta will just take the market. Yeah. So like if they want to do it, they've got to get in and they've just got to get going no matter what their headlines are going to say, right? Apple charging $3,000 for their headset. You know, Meta charges five hundred dollars mm. for their headset. Like they, you know, it's going to be bad press because that's just what it's going to be if this is the product that they offer. But I understand why you might start here if you believe this is the beginning of a thing. You know, it's worth remembering when the iPhone came out, the idea of an eight hundred dollar phone on a contract was ridiculous. They just pushed it forward and people went in on it because it was so impressive. So that's the kind of thing they got to hope that they can do, right? Ultimately, the thing that has surprised me about this whole experience, when we decided we were going to do this episode, it was going to be more of like a, haha, how fun is the metaverse? Yeah. How silly all these game experiences are. But it quite quickly changed when we had a couple of these meetings and then it was like, oh, no, wait, we're believers in this technology now. Yeah, we both expected that we were going to spend a bunch of money on these headsets and it might be an entertaining disaster. We have both been surprised that for all of the complaints, Meta has proved there's something here. Like there is something here in terms of a useful tool. Like they're going to keep iterating on it and someone is going to win this space. How big is this market? I don't know, but I've, I've felt like, you know, ever since we had that very first demo at Facebook headquarters, that was for me, the experience of a new medium for the first time. And it's like, ah, oh, there's, there's plays and then there's radio and then there's television. This is amazing. It's a new medium. And VR for me was, was like, I cannot believe this is a new medium. And I still really enjoy gaming in VR in that, as that like new medium experience. But this is something else on top of that now of like, it's not just entertainment. There is a useful tool here. It may be in the most baby form, but there's something here and someone is going to be the winner in this market. 